Welcome in to episode 19 of the PrintFest DFS podcast. My name is Justin Rue, alongside Scott Bandy. We're going to be breaking down the week 15 main slate on DraftKings. And there's a couple guys that are out, a couple guys that uh, we have some value, and there's a couple of just guys in absolute prime spots that are going to be unfadable. Um, so we're going to be here to break it all down. Starting with the injuries, uh, I think the biggest one on the slate is Michael Thomas. He is out. Um, so obviously that opens up Al- Alvin Kamara and his large target share. And Drew Brees is also in. So, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of volume to go around there. And and certainly uh, we will touch on Alvin Kamara going forward. So Michael Thomas is out. Julio Jones is out. Kenny Galladay continues to be out. He's been out since God knows when. Um, Alex Smith is out. So, so Dwayne Haskins will uh, be the starter there. Kyle Rudolph is out, opening up Irv Smith as a punt option. Debo Samuel and George Kittle are both out, as if Brandon Ayuk needed any more help uh, with getting more targets. So, uh, yeah, Brandon Ayuk, we'll talk about him. He's just in a total prime spot as well. Um, That's it for guys who are currently out. Uh, Antonio Gibson is doubtful on this slate. And as far as guys who were questionable but are now going to be in, uh, Drew Brees, Raheem Mostert, Brandon Cooks, DeAndre Swift, Denzel Mims, and Matt Breida. They are all in. A um, couple guys that are still questionable. Um, Matt Stafford, he's probably leaning more towards doubtful, but he is uh, making the trip to Tennessee. Daniel Jones and Evan Ingram are both questionable. Chase Edmonds, Jimmy Graham, which could even help uh, Cole Komet even more. Uh, Devontae Parker, Jakeem Grant, Gesicki, and Salvin Ahmed are all questionable, but they have been practicing, so it's likely they're going to be playing. Um, Ezekiel Elliott is questionable, so it's possible that Tony Pollard could get opened up for us. And Alexander Madison is also questionable. So that kind of rounds up a lot of the the main injuries on this main slate. So we're going to dive into the quarterback position. Our two favorite quarterback plays on the slate. Um, I'm going to start with mine, and it's Jalen Hurts. I think he's probably – the consensus best value play on the slate at 5,900, you know, take it on this Arizona team. It's in the dome. Um, you know, it's just his rushing is, is just really what's going to carry him. I mean, if you think about how rushing works for quarterback scoring, I mean, so 40 rushing yards equals 100 passing yards. I mean, the guy is going to be projected for like 60 or so rushing yards. I mean, I mean, that's, that's six points right there off the, off the bat. If he runs in a touchdown, that's 12. And then you add in, he's probably going to throw for another 200 yards. That's another eight without even throwing a touchdown. I mean, that's just with run with one rushing touchdown. So I think at 5,900, the floor is massive. He put up 23 points in his first career start against New Orleans Saints. I, I think that uh, just not overthink this one and, and you just kind of play Jalen Hurts in this spot. What do you think? Yep, I'm on board, man. Uh, 5,900 Jalen Hurts. I thought he was going to be – probably like the low to mid 6k range before we got the salaries on Monday. Um, but yeah, it's a really nice spot for him against Arizona. Um, I, I expect Arizona to do their part to put up points. Kyler's looking pretty healthy now, uh, finally. So I think the Eagles are going to have to be pretty aggressive on offense. And the really, the thing I really like, it's not even that he's running. It's that Doug Peterson is scheming runs to him he had 14 design runs last week which is really really nice that's what we want to see so it's like they benched Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson started using his brain to call plays so yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's something to be excited about um so 
Yeah, man. If he's going to be getting those design runs, kind of like we saw Lamar when he took over, uh, what, I guess two years ago now. Yeah. Uh, it's really, really safe at 5,900. That floor in this game environment should be really, really nice. So, and of course, I mean, say what you will about his arm. I think he's a, d- a decent thrower. I mean, I'm not ready to, to anoint him anything great yet, but I mean, if he gets that rushing floor and ends up throwing like two touchdowns, I mean, that's just, that's just <laughs> pants off, man. It's just yeah. an explosion waiting to happen. Absolutely. Yeah, so, and, and he'll probably be pretty chalky too, but I actually think the high price guys are probably going to get some ownership. Like I think Mahomes, Lamar, Kyler, I think they're going to see ownership this year or this week. Um, but anyway, moving on to my second favorite quarterback in the week, that's Drew Brees, who's back at 5.9K. Finally back, man. I'm so, I've been so tired of Taysom Hill, and I think you feel the same way. Like, yeah, it's just annoying to watch the Saints be, you know, pushed down by this trash can. I, just, I, I mean, yeah, I'm calling him a trash can. I don't think Taysom Hill is very good. I still don't. <laughs> um, but moving into the game, the three-point home dogs over under 52 with a 24-and-a-half implied total. Uh, I'm going to expect both the total and the implied total to move upwards now that Breeze has been activated. Um, we want to talk a little bit about the matchup. Kansas City is allowing the ninth most points to opposing quarterbacks over the last month, so that's pretty solid. Second most uh, passing touchdowns over that span. Um, and it shows when you look at the quarterbacks that have played against in the last few weeks. I mean, last week we saw Tua. He was the highest scoring guy on the slate, put up 31 DK points at the bonus. Got into the box on the ground as well. So really nice there. A couple weeks ago, Brady hit him for 26 points. Um, a couple weeks before that, Derek Carr hit him for 21 points. So really the last few competent quarterbacks that have faced Kansas City have smashed. And I mean, <laughs> it's pretty obvious to see why. I mean, Kansas City does their part each and every week just throwing points on the board. So opposing teams are just forced to forced to do whatever they can to, to keep up. So love the spot for Breeze in the Dome. It's the prototypical dome shootout spot that we've loved Drew Brees and the Saints offense for for years now. Um, now, Michael Thomas being ruled out, yeah, that puts a little bit of a damper on the game. But if we look at what Brees did this year without Michael Thomas in six games, weeks two through eight, Drew Brees averaged 21.3 points a game without Michael Thomas. So, yeah, it does put a little bit of a damper on him. But Brees has shown this year, even at his age, that he's fine enough. Now, maybe coming off this injury, he, he might, you know, have a little bit of rusts that he's going to have to shake off, and that's obviously going to be more difficult to do so without MT in there. So, yeah, I guess it still does, um, you know, put a little bit of a damper on the Chiefs or the, on the Saints side. But I'm still very optimistic about this spot. With Breeze at quarterback this year, the Saints have averaged 30.5 points per game versus 24.8 points per game with Taysom. So I think the entire uh, offense takes a bump, uh, even with Michael Thomas out. I think the, the game environment takes a step up. I think it's an upgrade to all the Chiefs guys as well as the Saints. So it's just looking like a really juicy spot. It's easily the best game on the week. He's cheap. He doesn't run, so he doesn't give you that, you know, that added bonus that Hurts does. But if you want to get leverage off, off that chalk, I think Drew Brees is a really solid, really solid play this week. Oh, I fully agree. 5,900, I mean, Hurts is definitely going to be higher owned. So if you're looking to uh, to fade Jalen Hurts, I think that, yeah, absolutely get some leverage on. Getting Drew Brees at, at home in the Dome is always a, a kind of a good place you always want to be. Um, 
Yeah, absolutely. So moving over to the running back position, I think that there's um, there's four key guys on this slate that are the uh, that, that are the top running backs, and I think two of them are, are total locks, and we'll just knock these guys off um, right here at the top. So Avon Kamara with uh, with Drew Brees back with Drew Brees back and Michael Thomas out. So you mentioned the uh, the splits with Drew Brees um, with Michael Thomas out. So weeks two through eight. Um, Alvin Kamara averaged 9.7 targets per game in those games, and he averaged a 26% target share at the running back position. It's ludicrous. That, that's absolutely ludicrous. Um, you know, Kamara at 7,400, and it's a decent enough matchup here against Kansas City, who, you know, they allow 4.5 yards per carry, their 30th DVOA against the run. Um, and they allow 25 DraftKings points per game uh, on the season. So, you know, I, I think Alvin Kamara is looking healthier the last couple of weeks. He's, um, you know, he, he jumped up to 70% of snaps last week. And, um, you know, over the last four weeks, his snaps have gone from 48, 48, up to 62, and then up to 71%. So I think he's getting healthier. Um, and, of course, I mean, this Kansas City defense, I mean, they, they've allowed 151 yards from scrimmage per game to opposing backfields. That's 27th in the league. Um, and, and one last stat here on Alvin Kamara. So Alvin Kamara with Drew Brees this season, he's averaged 126 yards from scrimmage and with Taysom Hill, he's only averaged 72. So this is, I don't want to understate this. This is a massive bump up to Alvin Kamara, um, getting Drew Brees back and then getting Michael Thomas out. It just opens up so many targets. This is a lock button spot. You don't overthink it. You play Alvin Kamara and you move on in your cash games, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it, this is literally everything that we could have wished for and more for Alvin Kamara. Uh, only do we get Drew Brees and no Michael Thomas, but it's a home shootout spot in the Dome versus Kansas City, and you know Kansas City is going to show up. You know, Patty Mahomes puts up his puts up his points every single week, so absolutely they're going to be forced to be aggressive on offense. So, man, it is just perfect for Alvin Kamara and at 7.4k we get the discount because he hasn't been very good lately with Taysom so I can't imagine fading him here man I mean 30 burger just right on the board man like absolutely (laughs) we'll talk about another 30 burger spot and uh it's another lock really it's Derrick Henry 9400 uh D Hember is alive and well and it bit us in the ass pretty bad last week (laughs) I mean, he was the highest on running back on the slate, and he went for 26, 26 carries for 215 yards and two tutties. That really nailed in the coffin for us. Right. Um, so, and now he gets Detroit, who is arguably an even better spot than he was in last week. I mean, Detroit's allowing the most points per game to opposing running backs on the season, 31 points a game. They've allowed 4.57 yards per carry the second most rushing touchdowns on the season. That's, I mean, for what it's worth, they've allowed the most receiving touchdowns to running backs on the season. We know Henry's not really that involved in the passing game. Man, it's just like, can they stop anything in regards to running backs? The answer is no. Uh, I mean, Tennessee has a 31 implied team total, which is ridiculous. They're 11 point home favorites. And to make matters worse, I don't think Matt Stafford's going to play. Galladay's already been ruled out. We know that the Lions offense is, is, is way, way different with and without Galladay. And then you take, you know, if Stafford doesn't play, I mean, he has, he has both a rib and a thumb injury. If Stafford doesn't play, the Lions are fucked. 
Like they're done for. They're not going to be able to put up a fight. The Titans are just going to roll. Mike Vrabel is quite literally just going to feed Henry the Rock over and over and over and over again. And we can even go down narrative street here. Henry needs 156 yards per game over the final three games of the season to hit the 2K mark. And say what you want. I think we both think that Mike Vrabel cares about that. Like, I think Mike Vrabel wants to get Henry to that 2K mark. And depending on who you talk to, I mean, I don't agree with this. I know you don't agree with this, but Derrick Henry's getting MVP buzz. And I guarantee you that Mike Vrabel cares about that too. So getting him to the 2K mark is definitely going to help his MVP odds. I mean, I don't think there's a shot in hell he wins, but some people are are touting him. But I think Mike Vrabel legit cares about this stuff. We know that Mike Vrabel gets a hard on for just jamming the ball to Derrick Henry. And if we want to move away from there to street and on to, you know, stats, he has the most carries in the NFL. He has the second most red zone carries in the NFL. He is, he's averaging 3.9 red zone touches per game. That's second in the league behind Josh Jacobs. Top five percentage in red zone touches or red zone team touch percentage. He has the most rushing yards. He has the most rushing touchdowns. Like it's just, and now it's December against the worst rushing D in the league. Like I, I, I'm not going to let Derrick Henry bury me again. I just can't do it, especially with, you know, a lot of uncertainty at running back this year. I mean, it's just been so bad. And when you're getting, the volume that he's like, he's going to get 30 touches in this spot. Like, how does he not? If Matt Stafford sits, the Titans are going to win this game handily. And it's just going to be a Derrick Henry feast. And I just, I'm not fading him this week. I Every time I faded him this year, with the exception of two weeks ago, it's really bit me in the, in the butt. So it's just too good of a spot. There's too much on the line for Derrick Henry. It's the game script is just couldn't get better. Like, Man, it's just a, another 30-burger just waiting to happen. Just lock it in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only the only way you're fading Henry is if you're in a tournament, and that, and, you, and then you're just hoping that the touchdowns go to the receivers and, and he, gets just, he gets just shut out of the end zone because he's running for 150-plus yards in this game, and there's just no end if or but about it. It's happening. Um, it just matters how many times he gets into the box, which, you know. With, with his kind of uh, red zone presence, I, who knows? He can get in the box four or five times, I, I, and I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I really wouldn't. So moving on, I, I think those two are our locks, and so now we get to our, our last running back position, and, and this is actually a, a, a good debate here, and it's Cam Akers or Jonathan Taylor. So Cam Akers has came on in the last two weeks. He's really been a revelation. He's had 63 and 79% of the snaps in the last two weeks, so he's basically taken on the bell cow workload. Um and, you know, he's at home. They have a 31 implied total, the Rams. Uh, they're 17-point favorites here against the Jets. Um, it is nice. He's a little bit cheaper than Jonathan Taylor at 6,600. Um, you know, he, he's he's averaged in his, in his last two starts where he's really came on. He's averaged 26.5 touches per game and 144 yards from scrimmage. So, and all of the work inside of the 10. So he is their bell cow. He's a he's locked in. He's I mean it's 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 hard to trust McVeigh, but um, you know they, they've shown in the last few weeks that they are willing to give him a bell cow workload. Um, and now he's taking on a Jets defense that yeah they sell it to stop the run, but they still face thirty backfield touches per game. That's 29th in the league. Um, so yeah, the efficiency might not be there against a defense that only allows four point one yards per attempt um, on the ground in their eighth DVOA. So yeah, I mean he might not be the most efficient, but he's probably going to be getting 25 plus touches 
in this spot, and they have a 31 implied total. So uh, I could see him scoring twice. I could see him scoring three times. Uh, You know, 6,600, it's a good debate between him and Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, so before we get into Taylor versus Akers, I guess I'll just give the rundown on on, uh, JT here. So Jonathan Taylor is a little bit more expensive at 7,200. Um, and he's really much like K makers. He's starting to get going down here, uh, down the stretch last three games, which were week 11, 13 and 14. He missed that week 12 game. He's gone 22 for 90 with four for 24 through the air week 11 or week. Uh, yeah. 11, 13 for 91 and three for 44 and one in the same spot two weeks ago. And then last week, obviously he went 20 for 150 and two with two for 15 through the air. So he's averaging 21 touches per game over that three-game sample. Um, now, that being said, he's only played 52%, 47%, 54% of the snaps. So Naheem Hines is obviously – he's still going to be involved, and that that's the scary part about Jonathan Taylor, right? Uh, Hines has 9-9-11 touches the last three games with the healthy JT. It does help that, you know, Jordan Wilkins has kind of phased himself out. Uh, he's only played 18% and then 9% of the snaps the last two weeks. So it really is just Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines now. Um, but obviously, this is not a locked-in spot. You know, what happens if, say, the Texans get up, like 14 nothing or so? What if they get up big? Is it just going to be the Naheem Hines show, or are they going to ride out Jonathan Taylor? So that's the one thing that's uh, a little bit scary. But the matchup is just pristine, right? Uh, we, I give my spiel about how bad Houston is against uh, opposing running backs every week, and I'll give it again now. Mm. In 13 games, they've given up 15 RB1 performances. <laughs> In 13 games, they've given up 15 RB1 performances. That's ridiculous. Uh, they're giving up 5.37 yards per carry on the season. That is unspeakably bad. Like, that is just historically awful. The second most points per game allowed to opposing running backs, 31 points a game. They've allowed the second most rushing touchdowns on the season. And they've allowed by far the most explosive runs, uh, 48 explosive runs on the season to second place uh, has given up 41. And it's not just volume related. Uh, They are also allowing a league high explosive run rate of 14%. Um, So it really, it's the best spot that Jonathan Taylor could really have. Again, two weeks ago, the same matchup, he went 13 for 91, which is about seven yards for Gary, and then three for 41 and one through the air. Now, if he gets the same kind of volume that we saw last week, you know, if he gets 18 to 20 carries and three to five targets in the passing game, it really could be an explosion for him. But I, I do tend to like to play Cam Akers a little bit more just because he's discounted uh, and there's not a lot of value on this slate. So – being able to get similar workloads at a discount. And I mean, they're playing the Jets, right? So uh, Akers is obviously in a great spot. The matchup probably favors Taylor, but the value we get with Akers is just a little bit better than Jonathan Taylor. So I lean that side. What about you? Yeah, uh, I I think I lean. So in a vacuum, if they were the same price, I lean Jonathan Taylor. Um, The fact that K Makers is a bit cheaper um, does open up one extra wide receiver spot for me. So uh, I, I do prefer K-Makers in this spot. I think his workload is a little more locked in than Jonathan Taylor's, um, you know, just based on their snaps the last uh, the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, um, both rookie running backs are both pretty elite talents. Uh, we're seeing Jonathan Taylor really start to turn it on here. Um, 
but I, yeah, I think I do slightly, slightly prefer um, Cam Akers uh, in this spot. I mean, the, the, yeah, the price it's just for- a week. It's a week where we're just value is scarce, so you kind of got to. Yeah. And lineup construction is pretty straightforward, right? I mean, we're pretty much paying it up at running back and filling the holes of receivers. So any value you can find on the board this week is, is really necessary. Yeah. And the price of Jonathan Taylor is kind of – has really gotten up there pretty quick. I mean, last week he was 5,800. Now he's up to 72. It really just kind of skyrocketed. Um, so I, I think the workload is a little more locked in for Cam Akers, and, uh, and, and he's a little bit cheaper. So for that reason, I think I prefer Cam Akers, but um, – yeah, don't 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 hold me to the fire on that one. I'm not I'm not quite sure just yet um, on that one. So moving over to to wide receiver, uh, there is one really solid play on the slate at wide receiver. And then other than that, it's kind of all over the place. And that solid play is Brandon Ayuk. So he's 6,300. We keep talking about these rookies. I mean, we've talked about Jalen Hurts. We talked about Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers. And now we're going to talk about another rookie in, in Brandon Ayuk. These rookies are just balling out this year. And Brandon Ayuk. He is not playing like a rookie. Let's just run and run, run down the game in here. So over the last five weeks, he has averaged 13 targets per game. He's, he's averaged 94 yards from scrimmage per game. And he's averaged a 0.74 weight opportunity rating, which is uh, third on this slate. And he's also averaged 22 DraftKings points per game over his last five. In the last six, he's scored a touchdown or surpassed 100 yards in six straight games. And he's taken on the Cowboys, who are, obviously, as we know, garbage. They, they're 23rd DVOA against the pass. They allow 8.8 yards per target. Um, you know, they allow 65% catch rate, and they allow a league-high 8.9% touchdown rate. So, uh, like we mentioned, with no Debo Samuel, no George Kittle, at 6,300, Ayuk is popping in all and everything, and rightfully so. And he is the best wide receiver play on the slate, point per dollar, and it's not even really close. Yep, I, he's essentially a lock to – his price was one of the first things that I locked into when I went over salaries on Monday. And I'm going to have to publicly take an L on Brandon Ayuk. I mean – I remember in the offseason, we were gearing up for the fantasy season. Me and you had a lot of discussion about Brandon Ayuk and what his role in this offense would be. And I basically said, I don't like him. I, don't, I just don't see, you know, I don't see where the role opens up for him with Debo and Kittle and, you know, run first offense, blah, blah, blah. But, man, and I wasn't even that big on him in draft season either uh, coming, coming into the NFL draft. But, man, he just looks like a straight-up alpha. Like, he's been smashing week in, week out. Whether or not Debo's there, he smashed – um, and now they're playing Dallas. And if you, I mean, if we remember early on in the season, like, man, we targeted X, Y receivers versus Dallas, and they smashed every single week. And like, I don't see that changing here. Like, man, Brandon Ayuk is not playing like a rookie. Like, he's just, he's as consistent of a receiver right now as you can find. So, I mean, he's a really, really, it's a really, really nice spot for him, man. And, uh, the price point, and there's not a lot to like at receiver this week either. That's the other thing. Like, it, we're not paying up at receiver. So he's in that nice mid-range where it's easy to slot him in uh, and really, really feel good about it. So I love Brandon Ayuk. He's essentially a lock for me. Absolutely. So I'll move on to one of the higher-priced guys that I like. And, again, 
like I said, lineup construction seems to be pretty straightforward. You're really paying up at all three running back spots because we're devoid of any real true value at the position outside of maybe like a Leonard Fournette, if that's the route you want to go, which I, I mean, personally, I really don't. Um, but the guy I really like is, is DeAndre Hopkins at 7,900. Um, Kyler finally seems to be healthy. His shoulder looks a little bit better. He's finally running again. He had a pretty strong showing last week, and it's, it's a pretty good spot. Philly's been getting absolutely smacked around by wide receiver ones the last few weeks. Now, granted, they've been getting smacked around by elite wide receiver ones. You know, Michael Thomas hit him for eight for 84. Devontae Adams, 10 for 121 and two. DK Metcalf, 10 for 177. Even Darius Slayton, though, hit him for five for 93. And I think it's, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is just another world-class wide receiver. He's in that same tier with MT Adams and DK. Um, over the last four weeks, he's averaged nine 9.75 targets a game. He's at a 29.1% team target share. That, that's good for third best in the NFL over that span. 0.63 whoppers, pretty solid. Uh, and to make matters worse, the Eagles are already out. Uh, Avante Maddox is already out with a knee injury. He, he's confirmed out. And Darius Slay is questionable with a concussion. Now, he did get in limited practices Thursday and Friday. So it's definitely another point to monitor. But whether or not Darius Slay plays, I think, is kind of irrelevant. Like, Darius Slay has been getting manhandled by alpha wide receivers the last month. Hmm. And I don't really see that changing now. Like, uh, and D Hop's just about as consistent of a guy as you can find. Like, he's had double digit fantasy points in all but two games. He's had 20 DK points in seven of 13 games played. Really, the only thing that you can really nitpick about is his A dot. His A dot is so low that it really can limit his upside some weeks. And it's very frustrating when you see him go like eight for 53. Like, that's very frustrating. Um, so, but outside of that one little nitpicky point, I think he makes for a really solid play. I think he's going to feast against Philly. Um, and I, I mean, I think it's another guy who I think he could go 10 for 120 in a tutty and I would not be shocked. So again, at 7.9 K he's expensive. It's hard to get up there this week. Um, if you do get up there to him, your lineup construction is obviously going to be a lot different than everyone else. So your lineup is probably going to be less chalky. So you'll have some leverage against the field, but I probably won't be getting there in cash, but I really think he's a great, great play regardless. Yeah, he, he definitely is a solid play. Uh, it, it's a, it's hard to ever really fade Hopkins. We were playing him a lot early in the season. Then he kind of hit a lull. Um, they're kind of just using him on like the left side of the field and, uh, you know, not being very creative with, with, uh, with the hop, you know, Kingsbury, I, they just kind of run what they run with the air raid and, and don't really pivot off that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do like D hop though. He's kind of underpriced, um, you know, for his role. I mean, his floor is just so high. It's, it's going to be tough to get up to him uh, with, with how live construction is going, paying up for these, for these elite running backs. So I, I, I want to bring up kind of like three guys. They're kind of like three value guys all in one here. I'm just going to kind of throw them all together. So the first one, I'm going to start with the cheapest one. It's Michael Gallup. Uh, he's projecting really well on this slate. At 3,500, this is the cheapest I've ever seen, Michael Gallup. We know he's an elite talent. He really is. I, I, I truly believe he's a, he's a top 25 talent at wide receiver uh, in the NFL. Maybe that's a hot take. I don't know. But I, think, I, I truly do think he is. Um, obviously, there's no Dak Prescott. 
Uh, you know, last year, Michael Gallup had a thousand yards and, and, and he's down at 3,500. When, when have you seen a, a guy who is in his prime have over a thousand yards the prior season, then be 3,500 at some point in the next season. So, I mean, over the last five games, he's averaged seven and a half targets per game and a 0.57 weight opportunity rating, which is, you know, honestly pretty solid for, especially for 3,500, not to mention that he's an elite talent. Uh, you know, obviously he's got Andy Dalton back there and it's not a great matchup with San Francisco, but it's not a, necessarily a matchup that we just like are running away from and, and just like not going anywhere near it. It's not like it's the Rams or something like that. Um, you know, so yeah, 3,500, it's kind of, uh, he's just kind of a layup. <laughs> he gets these deep shots. He, he has a 10 dot, and, you know, he's averaging 0.7 end zone targets per game as well. So I, I think that Michael Gallup at 3,500 is definitely a good value guy you can go to. I think you can also go to, now that we have Michael Thomas out, Emmanuel Sanders. So Emmanuel Sanders kind of, he was out for a couple weeks while Michael Thomas was out, but when he did play, so he was there for with so with Drew Brees in and with Michael Thomas out. Um, Emmanuel Sanders did play weeks two, three, four, and five, and in those weeks he averaged a twenty three percent target share. So honestly, I mean that, that's really not horrible. Um, you know he's forty two hundred, so that's something that we can kind of latch onto. Uh, in those games, he averaged um, fourteen point five points per game. So. That's it's really not bad at all. If, if you told me I can get 14 and a half points per game from a wide receiver at 4,200, I think that uh, I, I would take that all day. So that's really solid. I think he's pretty fundamentally underpriced at 4,200 with no, uh, you know, with no Michael Thomas. He's kind of the, the de facto wide receiver one for this team, and he's got Drew Brees back. So I think Emmanuel Sanders is back in play. I think he still has juice. And then one last guy that you know, I'm bringing up all these guys that are old, but T.Y. Hilton, I mean, he's been really solid the last couple of weeks. I know he's not a guy we don't really want to play at his age, but man, I mean, he's, he's really been coming on the last couple of weeks. He's averaged 71 yards um, per game over his last five. That's pretty fine. I mean, it's, it's not bad at all. He's averaged a 29% target share in his last two games. Um, and of course, at home in the dome, 29 implied total for the Colts, 5,500 taking on this Houston defense that allows 8.6 yards per target, a 71% catch rate, they're 26 DBOA against the pass. It's a team that he has smashed seemingly every game against Houston his entire career. He's beat the hell out of them. So, um, yeah, he might be someone that's kind of tough to trust, you know, given his age and what he's done this year. But the last couple of weeks, he's really been coming on. It's a solid spot for him. So all of Michael Gallup, Emmanuel Sanders, and T.Y. Hilton, I think, are all – perfectly squarely in play for cash games what do you think yeah they're for sure all in play if i had to rank them i think for sure manny sanders is my favorite um i guess it, i have such disdain for ty hilton but i guess he would i would have him second and then gallup third um, just starting with Manny Sanders, yeah. I mean, without Michael Thomas in this game environment against KC, 4,200 is criminally underpriced. And that helps open up a little bit of value at receiver uh, that we need on this slate. So, yeah, he, he's very, very strong. I'm really into that this week. TY at 5,500, for at least, I think he's just going to be a fit for a lot of lineups. Like, 
I've been fooling around and he just helps. He just fits nicely with what I'm trying to do. I don't feel comfortable with it whatsoever. I don't try, like T.Y. Hilton's been bad for like most of the last two years until the last three weeks. And it's like, what happened here? Like he's catching like 80% of his targets. Like, like doesn't, I don't know. This just seems very fluky to me and difficult to trust. Like, like where did this just come from out of nowhere? Like where has this been all the whole time? So but the matchup, again, pristine. He's crushed uh, the Texans for <laughs> – I mean, I feel like I've been on him every game against Houston for his career in DFS, really. So, yeah, it's objectively a really good spot, and he's going to be very popular, I think. So, he's fine enough, but I don't trust it. And then Michael Gallup, like, I don't think enough people remember that last year on a point-per-game basis, Michael Gallup was better than Amari Cooper. And I'm pretty sure Michael Gallup was outpacing him on a targets per game basis. Um, and now, I mean, they've just kind of subjected him to this, you know, prototypical deep threat guy who's, I mean, how many DPIs have we seen for him this year? Like if they would actually use him for more than just a deep threat, he could be such a good player. And despite not having Dak, despite not seeing the targets he did last year, despite being the third option at best in this offense, he's still going to have something like 800 receiving yards this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, like, how many teams have a guy as their third wide receiver option catching, you know, 800 yards? Uh, and at 3,500, we've seen, like, Dalton definitely favors him. So, at 3,500, like, how much does he really need to do for you to be happy and get there? Like, not much. And so, like, with his talent level and that price, he's always going to be fine. He's also very strong. So, all three of them are firmly in play for me. Um, last guy I want to talk about at receiver is Terry McLaurin at 6.6K. Now, it's a really good spot. Seattle's allowing a league high 46 points per game to opposing wide receivers on the season. Now, if you look at the last four weeks, they look like they've been good, right? Seattle's actually allowed the fewest points per game to opposing receivers over the last month. But I think I'm going to write that off because they played all of nobody. They played the Jets, who were uh, their putrid, the Giants, putrid, Philly, Carson Wentz has been awful. And then they played Arizona with a beat up Kyler Murray. So I'm willing to throw that sample out. Um, now, granted, Washington's not very good either, right? You know, we got Dwayne Hastinson here, but I just, when I was doing my research on McLaurin, I wanted to see the splits with and without Haskins for McLaurin. So the first four games with Haskins, he had a 27.2% team target share, seventh highest in the league. He had 40-plus percent of the team's air yards. That's really solid. A 23% red zone share, 10.2 ADOT, 0.69 Whopper. All really solid metrics there. Now, weeks 5 to 14 without Haskins, his target share dropped to 24.8%, but everything else largely remained the same. He had 43.7% of the team's air yards. He had a 25% red zone target share, 10.1 ADOT, 0.68 Whopper. So really, he's been the same guy with and without Haskins, or regardless of who's played quarterback this year. So that's nice. Uh, so really marginal differences there. Now, the last couple of weeks, he struggled, but I think it's a really, really solid get-right spot, especially at his, you know, at this mid-range receiver spot. We know how good he is. I mean, Terry McLaurin is just an absolute alpha. Um, Here's a couple of reasons why I like him so much. So on the season, Washington averages 25.6 pass attempts per game. 
Opponents versus Seattle over the last four weeks have averaged 34 pass attempts per game. And on the season, they've averaged 41 pass attempts. So we're talking about a margin of, you know, 10 to 15 pass attempts more uh, than what they're averaging. It's probably what they're going to end up with. Seattle's going to be winning this game despite Washington's good defense, in my opinion. So they're going to be forced to throw. Antonio Gibson's doubtful. They're not going to be able to run the ball very good with McKissick and Peyton Barber. Um, and Seattle's allowed the third most explosive pass plays on the season, which sets up great for McLaurin's skill set. Uh, and, you know, we always love to see a 50-yard touchdown from Terry McLaurin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of which, he only has three touchdowns on the season, uh, despite him leading the team in every relevant statistic by a, a massive margin. He only has three touchdowns. So he's probably due a little bit of positive regression there if Haskins can, you know, manage to not suck it up on Sunday. But, uh, yeah, man, Terry McLaurin – against, you know, the worst secondary in the league at 6,600. I think it's a really good spot. I don't know how Owen he'll be. Yes, it's a little bit scary with Haskins, but he's basically set up for the same spot that we've seen all season. So at 6.6K, I think he's pretty pretty solid. Yeah, I think that you're probably getting some lower ownership on him as well because he's kind of been falling off the last couple of weeks. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely can I, – I don't think he's going to be very owned. I really don't. Um. People, there's a lot of recency bias in DFS, and I, I can't see him being very good at all on this slate. So, moving over to the tight end position, I think that, you know, we talk about punting it off all the time, and, and it's a nice like to punt it off. Yeah, Kelsey's up there, and he's he's having a, a career year. He's having the best season of his career, but it's it's tough. He's up there at 8K. So, you know, we talked about paying up for these running backs. I don't know how the hell you can fit Henry, Kamara, and Kelsey in there, um, and Ayuk. I, 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 don't, I don't know how you can get there. Um, so, I think the best punt play on the slate, I think there's two of them. So, Irv Smith, and he's not necessarily a punt. He's like 3,600. Um, he's nice with no Kyle Rudolph. But I think Cole Komet, uh, and we've been talking about him for a couple weeks now, he really um, – you know, since their week 11 bye, uh, he, he's kind of taken over as the as the starter. And Jimmy Graham has kind of been cast aside. Now, it helps Jimmy Graham is also questionable. So if Jimmy Graham is out, it's lock city for Cole Komet. But I think Cole Komet's a really solid play even with Jimmy Graham there because Jimmy Graham's basically playing like 20% of the snaps at this point. Cole Komet played 85% of snaps last week. So he is entrenched as the tight end one on Chicago. And Chicago, I mean, to their credit, since week 11, they've averaged 30 points per game in their three games since week 11. I mean, they, their offense has been humming. Uh, and Cole Komet's been a big part of it. Over the last two weeks, he's averaged 21% and 21% of the targets. Um, and now he's taking on a Minnesota defense that's 30th in yards per target allowed to tight ends. You know, they, like, they allow 8.3 yards per target, and they allow 71% catch rate to opposing tight ends. So this is definitely an above-average matchup for Cole Komet. And now entrenched as the as the starter, I think that at 3K, you could certainly do a lot worse. He's a he's a nice punt play. He was a good prospect coming out. He's a second round pick. Um, I think that you could certainly do a lot worse at 3K. Yeah, I mean, we've been on commit for three weeks now. Um, he's just getting solid volume at that price point. And you know how much we love to punt tight end. So 3K, again, in a league where we're really – Subject to find value where we can, 
tight end always the spot where I look for value. And, you know, it's a great matchup here against Minnesota. Hopefully, I mean, if we get no Jimmy Graham, that'd be awesome, man. Oh, yeah. But I, I mean, I'm probably just going to lock in Kinnett to get that value. So he makes for a really strong play again. And really, I mean, if, if you're going <laughs> to pay for a tight end, you're paying for Travis Kelsey or you should just punt it off, right? Yeah. Travis Kelsey, he's 8K this week. Last week he was 7,400. I said he should probably be 8K. If he was a wide receiver, he would be the wide receiver three on the season. He's leading the league in receiving yards, if you can believe that. Uh, and he's going to not only break the record that he broke before Kittle for tight end receiving yards in a season, but he's going to break Kittle's record too. Like this dude, like he just might be the goat. Like he, it's just week in, week out. He's had 10 plus targets, five out of the last six games. Yes, New Orleans is. They're decent against tight ends, but that's irrelevant because it's Patrick Mahomes, it's the Chiefs' offense, it's Travis Kelsey. The Chiefs are going to put up points. I don't care about matchups, really, when it comes to the Chiefs. So he's a freak. He's on pace to break that record. I know he wants to get there, especially after he broke it and then Kittle broke his record the same year. He's had double-digit fantasy points in all but one game. So, I mean, if you want to play him, you want to pay the 8K price tag, he's worth it. He is electric at the tight end position he's just as good as all these high priced receivers um and honestly like when you pay up for a guy like travis kelsey say you pay up for kelsey and you punt your third receiver spot with a guy like michael gallup at 3500 compare that to playing like irv smith at 3600 you know pretty much punting off tight end and then you pay 7900 for deandre hopkins I feel better about Travis Kelsey and Michael Gallup than I do about DeAndre Hopkins and Irv Smith. And it's not even really that close. So um, that's something that, you know, I need to think about more often is really just slotting in Kelsey now, but now Kelsey's getting to the point where, you know, he's pretty pricey. So it's tough to do that. But earlier in the season, I don't know why I overlooked Kelsey. Uh, that's definitely something to remember for my process moving forward to next season. Uh, but I mean, it's just another spot where Kelsey's probably just going to smash. Like it's another 25 point outing just waiting to happen. So at 8K, you want to play him. I'm never going to say it's a bad idea. Yeah. The issue with Kelsey is just, it's not Kelsey. That's the issue. It's his price and it's getting in Derrick Henry in this home run spots, getting it out on Kamara. It, it, it's so tough. You would have to punt off with, Leonard Fournette against Atlanta. You would have to punt off two wide receiver spots. Actually, you'd have to punt off all three of them. Honestly, you you would have to go with three wide receivers under 4,500 to get to Kelsey, Henry, and Kamara. Uh, so it, it's, it's – I don't know. Maybe it is viable. I'm going to mess around some stuff. I don't think it is. Um, we would need, like, one more wide receiver value to open up to really get there. So um, – that is basically going to do it for this slate. I, I think we basically hit on all of the the best plays, all the best values that we think, at least here sitting here on a, on a Friday night. Um, of course, there's always guys that get put on the COVID list on Saturday, which might shake up this slate again, and and then we'll kind of adjust from there. But at least on Friday night at 7 p.m., I mean, this is what we got. So um, with that, that's going to do it for episode 19 
of the PrintFest DFS podcast. Can't believe it's already week week 15. We're 19 episodes in, and man, it's it's been a ride. We've gotten our butts kicked a couple weeks. We've we've kicked butt a couple weeks, and uh, and hopefully we can get back on the right path after a, after a hard one last week. And and just I just just smack me if I fade Derrick Henry this week. Just smack me. Um, I just, I can't do it. I, I my we're lineup. In the heart of yeah. My lineup on DraftKings should We're come. In the hardest place. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. So that's going to do it. We'll be back on Monday night breaking down our lineups and breaking down our decisions and, and what went on over the weekend, over the carnage of the weekend. So until then, good luck, everybody.